And hello and welcome everyone. We're back again for another thrilling installment of Retro Hero Video. It's a video book club only with cartoons and fun stuff like that starring me and Matt. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we finished off our Never Seen It arc in the previous episode and now we're ready to start a brand new arc. I put it out to the fans, I put it out to the patrons, and what they really wanted us to do, Matt, for this next block of podcast shows is they wanted us to look at short-lived 90s comics animated series, of which there were quite a few. It was a boom period. Every other week, there was something new starting. (laughs) It certainly was. And, uh, you know, when I put these shows together, I make little lists of like, okay, we'll do this one, we'll do that one. This is the first time I ever made an executive decision to be like, okay, we should probably move Wildcats to the front because Wildcats is kind of in vogue again. It is, yes. Yes, every so often, DC will take a run at trying to bring these characters back and revitalize the universe, and that's happening in just a couple weeks, actually. Matthew Rosenberg's mm-hmm. The Wild Storm will be coming out soon. Which is funny, because w- w- like just this week, they started advertising it in the comics, and uh, for the life of me, I thought that book came and went. <laughs> yeah, well, they had The Wild Storm. They had The Wildcats, yeah, but I, th- I knew he was writing it, and I knew Matthew Rosenberg was writing it, and I thought that book came and went like it was part, it was just before um, mm-hmm. Future State. Right, yes, yes, yes. Again, they try every so often, and in fact, we'll, we'll do a little deep dive into the history of Wildcats before we start proper, but uh, as always, everyone... Uh, uh, oh, actually, you know, before we even do that, I want to once again give a special thank you to the sponsor of the channel and all the shows we've been doing for the last month or so. I'm, of course, talking about Omari Malik and his brand new Kickstarter project, Black Tooth Battalion. As we record this on Saturday night, you have 10 days left, which means by the time this goes up, you know, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever I eventually get the editing done, you'll ve- you'll have to move as quick as you can to try and be part of this. Thankfully, though, the project is actually going really good. There's 88 backers, and oh, oh, they're just a couple hundred dollars away from their yeah, goal. Yeah, almost there, almost oh, there. Almost there. We really want to see them make it. We really want to make this a comic multiverse, you know, uh, or retro hero video in this case, success story. Omari seems like a great guy, and I know quite a few people in the comic multiverse, Cape Joel, Fortress of Solitude, community, whatever you want to call it, have already put some money towards it, and that means the world to us that we can help out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so be sure to get into that. Now, uh, before we actually start talking about Wildcats, and I have to say it like that because that's how the theme goes, uh, we have to also remember that Retro Hero Video Podcast isn't like all those other video podcasts. You know, we're cultural anthropologists, Matt. We got a little dig deep, you know, into the time and era and the place that we were at. You know, what was really mm. influencing Wildcats? Yeah. And, and as always, the best place to start in that realm is to take a closer look at, you know, what was uh, what was big in music at the time. And for the first time ever, Matt, we actually have a returning musical act, if you can believe it. We do. Yes, the number one song of 1994 when this came out in October was actually I'll Make Love to You by the band Boys to Men. And they were at their most boyish here. They're, they're men now, if you see them these days. <laughs> I, I love, too, that, you know, uh, Boys to Men really owning the early part of the 90s because it completely flies in the face of all, like, conventional pop culture wisdom, and that is like, oh, the 90s belonged to grunge and Nirvana and Pearl Jam. No. Not right away, no. it didn't. Nope, there was that little window. Yep. Uh, where people like Boys to Men were, like, super popular. Oh, yeah, yeah, adult contemporary, man. And, yeah, I, I would probably say All Make Love to You is probably their best and most endearing song. 
It is, yeah. Everyone knows it. Uh, everyone knows it. Even if you've just kind of heard some of it, you know it because yeah. it's got a great hook. The harmonies are great. It's good shit, boys to Matt. I'm not going to lie. If you've never listened to it, go check them out. Yeah. Now, from the world of music to the world of movies, and oh boy, is this the most 90s movie. The number one movie for October 1994 was Sylvester Stallone, Sharon Stone, and The Specialist. <laughs> A movie that's really quite terrible. Yep, in the days before comic book movies when, you know, uh, star power was more important than what costume the stars were wearing, shit like this ruled the box office. For those who don't know, this is the story of Sylvester Stallone, who plays a demolitions expert who was taught to kill by the government and is recruited by Sharon Stone to fight the Miami underworld that killed her father. And I think Eric Roberts is the bad guy in this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's uh, it's a trip, this one. They, You know when people say, like, oh, they don't make them like that anymore. No, they really don't make them like this anymore, and there's a reason for it. Yeah, yeah. They, well, the thing is, they, they kind of do still make these, except they've they've dropped the budget considerably. Yeah. And uh, we'll... Uh, uh, what's go straight name? to streaming. Bruce, Bruce Willis stars exclusively in them. That's true, and they go straight to streaming, and they film like five of them back to back. You're yes, right. They call the, the the geezer teasers. The geezer teaser trend, which yeah, I guess these do exist, but only in that realm. <laughs> yeah. If you want to find a copy of the specialist, I'm sure you can in the discount DVD bin of any of your local big box stores. <laughs> I'm sure it's on Netflix or something. Oh, I'm sure it is. It's got to be, no doubt about it. Now, from the world of movies to the world of television, the number one show all over the world, and especially in America, was still at the time Seinfeld, actually. It was a couple of years into its run. Yes, I this believe. this was the last season. This was season six. This oh, was okay. This was getting right near the end of it because I think like the season started in ninety three and ended in ninety four. Okay. Which hard to believe that it actually wasn't on TV for as long as other shows. But man, the impact this series had this and Simpsons back to back on the local Fox affiliate. Mm -hmm just, you know, inspired my sense of humor for years to come. I am comedically the person I am because of that twofer of shows. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think the big episode around this time was Poppy Pete on my sofa. <laughs> what do we do about the couch? Yes, back, back when sitcoms could really just build entire plot lines around that. Yeah, well, um, well, Seinfeld was dubbed as the show about nothing. It really was, and you know, it, it shows. It shows in the best way possible, and still, still holds up all this time later. I, I'm glad it's on Netflix now. I'm glad they traded Friends <laughs> for this because I much preferred Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, Seinfeld is the the superior show. And I'll, you you can turn on any episode at any time and just you know just joke after joke that hits and just like stuff that belongs to pop culture because of it. Yeah, yeah, filled with great comedians, mm -hmm. not just in the core cast, but like, oh, like yeah. special guest appearances oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah, Young Sarah Silverman's, young Dom Herrera's, young Tobin Bell's, young Brian Cranston's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just wall-to-wall -wall people who, you know, launched their career off the back of this. Now, yeah. of course, we got to talk about video games, too. And, oh, what an interesting time in video games this was, because the number one game that everyone was playing this year, I believe it actually won Game of the Year for Game Informer that year, was, of course, Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo. This is a weird time, because this was... Like, just, just... It was just before the PlayStation 1. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, yeah, and we had this, and, like, then the N64 and everything. 
and uh yeah so like the, these were like tail end games for the super nintendo and they were still great absolutely i was never a nintendo kid growing up so i totally missed like the boat on this but i know donkey kong country even just from the music and the sprite mm -hmm. work that is now like legendary in and of itself it's, it's a fantastic game yeah i love too they call it an incredible 3d adventure in the kingdom of kong it wasn't quite 3d yet i mean we were getting there but all right sure <laughs> Again, it's like uh, blast processing and everything else. You know, we just kind of we, we, we got to fudge it just a little bit to say that it's better. <laughs> this uh, this isn't the only game we'll talk about either on this uh, episode of Retro Hero, but more on that in a minute. Now, naturally, of course, we are a comic book podcast, first and foremost. And man, what an interesting time in comics 1994 was. The, the, the middle of the 90s. Yep. <laughs> Marvel and DC are both kind of are kind of in a bad way right now. The big image exodus had happened. They lost some of their biggest superstar artists who went and formed their own company. So it should surprise you not at all that the number one comic of October 1994 was Spawn Batman, number one from Frank Miller and Todd McFarlane. <laughs> Which is fitting, because that's coming back. How about that? Everything old is new again, and oh my god, we're going back to the Batman spawn well one more time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's it, Again, everything is new again. It sure everything is. old is new. So that was the number one comic <clears throat> of the month. The number two comic was Codename Strike Force, another image book by Mark Silvestri. Yes, the most 90s shit ever. Mark Silvestri, who is back just this week doing Batman Joker Deadly Duo. Everything so, old is new again. It is. And you look at this team for Strike Force, and you're like, is this is this young blood? Is that cable? I thought I, I thought I thought we were doing Wildcats. Is this Wildcat? No, this is a completely different thing that also has a cable guy and a Psylocke woman and uh, a Deadpool lookalike and a Hulk lookalike with a big gun. It, it's really interesting, uh, just like from an art standpoint, because Silvestri's art back in the nineties. It was Rob Liefeld art. Yeah. And it's interesting to see him now. Like, his art has progressed. Yes, he's actually looks evolved. A more, looks a bit more like uh, Jim Lee. Yes, oh, very much so. And, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about and, Jim Lee. And it's funny when you compare him to Rob Liefeld, who hasn't changed at all. I know, right? Sylvester actually seems to have grown and evolved. And, you know, Top Cow became, like, an interesting company in and of itself. Because all the Image guys also got to create their own companies. And when they left yeah. Image, they took their stuff with them and everything. But, yeah, everything old is new again. And Sylvester, we're still talking about him in 2022. And he had a big comic back in 94. Yeah. Now, uh, obviously, we got to talk about the other big two. Uh, DC only gets on the charts because of their relationship to Spawn. Thankfully, Marvel is in the top 10 this year uh, because of X-Men. In fact, issue 30, the big Fabian Nassiza Cyclops Jean Grey wedding was this month. Yeah. So even back in the 90s, comics loved gimmicky wedding issues. <laughs> how little things have changed. I just think it's so hilarious that in 94, everything was either trying to be the X-Men or trying to ride the image coattails. Yeah, they, very true. Very true, yeah. What a very... Like, X-Men was so big and huge at this time, everything else was trying to be X-Men. Yeah, X-Men, or like, as you said, yeah, that image thing, because I think around this time, like, it was a year after the death of Superman, so we had, like, mm. Reign of the Superman yep. and, like, Return of Superman, where he had, like, the very 90s black suit and guns and everything, yep. and, yeah. 
And how fitting is it, too, that, you know, Jim Lee, maybe one of the most famous X-Men artists of all time, who left, became one of the founding fathers of Image, and who would give us the show based on the comic that we're talking about today in Wildcats. And, uh, yeah, so Wildcats, it was Jim Lee's big thing uh, when he founded Image Comics and Wildstorm as well, yes. the, the whole comic company. And, and when you look at this here, it's like, yeah, I can see the X-Men influence, and we'll talk about that more when we get into it, that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff here that feels kind of familiar. Very, very X-Men-ish. Yep. Wildcats, of course, means covert action teams, because this was the era of acronyms, baby. Yep. Shield, Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised Cats isn't spelt with a K. Yeah, yeah. Is the new one spelled with a K? I, I feel... I Maybe this is a Bernstein Bears situation, but yeah, I feel I like I have. Was. Yeah, I feel like it's been... Yeah, with a... It was spelled with a K, and, and the S was a Z. I know, right? I think this is a total Bernstein Bears situation where our minds are remembering history wrong, but I totally yeah. feel like that was the thing. Yeah. So, uh, Wildcats debuted the comic in 1992. It was, again, the de debut thing for Jim Lee. The show came around in October 1994, so only two years later did this comic get turned into a cartoon. Mm, yeah. That's insane, right, considering how long it takes stuff to be adapted. But again, X-Men was huge right now. Comics and toy sales were huge, and because of that, there was like an arms race going on for what's the next big thing going to be. And, uh, yeah, they they actually had a fair amount of, you know, merch that uh, would be considered quite respectable today. Of course, the toys, which you can find for, I think, for 200 bucks, you can buy the whole set uh, on card, in package, on eBay, like, right now. Nice, nice. I almost, the actually, literally, the, the other week, I almost bought a uh, McFarlane Toys Grifter. Ah, how about, yes, I'm glad you, you found out the next thing I was going to say, Matt, and who made these Wildcat toys? Well, founding image father and friend to Jim Lee Todd McFarlane, of course. Yes, of course. It's, it's like he knew where the sweetest plum was, McFarlane, right? Like, yeah, 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 I'll make stuff, but I also want to make the toys, though. Yeah. <laughs> and they're pretty good toys, I'm not going to lie, they look good. Yeah, the old ones still look pretty damn good. They got that little stand thing going on. Apparently that was the cool thing for them. They all came with their own unique little standy. Yeah, and being that it was the 90s, that was probably like a premium selling point. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah, get your own little standy. Don't be afraid to show off your Wildcats action figure, a brand that will definitely appreciate in value. <laughs> They're the next big thing. Jim Lee made them. We'll be talking about them forever. <laughs> But of course, the crowning achievement of anything in the 90s was Wildcats got their own NES side-scroller beat-em-up video game. Again, this was like a thing back then where like, like, like X-Men had like a bunch. Yes, there they did. There was Superman one, there was Batman ones, there was Spider-Man ones, mm. everyone had one. Oh yeah. The game itself actually doesn't look too bad. I don't know how it plays, but it looks exactly like all those other side-scrollers. Yeah, I'm sure, like, you could probably find it online somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, there's long plays. There's everything. Here's the funny thing about the Wildcats logo, though. Jim Lee, smart man that he is, was made sure that his signature was part of the Wildcats logo. It's not just Wildcats. Yes. It's Jim Lee's. Jim Lee's. Yeah. Look, this isn't any of those other fly-by-night Wildcats you've heard of. This isn't, you know, your son's Little League team. The Wildcats. This is Jim fucking Lee's Wildcats. <laughs> which i'm sure for a whole younger generation out there they're like wait J jim lee made comics he wrote yes he wasn't just a superstar artist and he wasn't just the sole publisher of dc comics he used to make comics too 
yep, yep. And also, a smart guy with a very interesting trajectory. Here's the thing I had absolutely forgotten in memory hold when I looked into this. Eventually, you know, Image Comics, you know, rises to huge height, falls apart due to infighting and everything else and shifting trends in the market, the bubble bursting. Here's the thing I didn't remember. Jim Lee actually sold Wildstorm to DC and Warner Brothers in 98. Yeah, okay. So before even the new millennium, he already cashed out and was already having his eyes on like a brand new corporate job. And again, he's currently the sole publisher of DC Comics, so it worked out. Yeah, he was thinking ahead. He was. Thinking ahead. In fact, you have to wonder, is the reason DC seems so obsessed with like Grifter and restarting Wildstorm and like making them a big part of the new 52 when they did, do you think they did that because they loved and respected the idea and wanted to have their own X-Men or is it because the guy who created them is their publisher? <laughs> Hmm, hmm, I wonder. Hmm. Again, I don't know, man. I don't know how much, you know, Lee loves the property. Because here's the thing, like, he, I think he wrote, like, the first 50-odd issues, and Ryan Choi did the art for it. But there was, like, other fun and interesting guest writers throughout the comics history. Uh, friggin' James Robinson did an issue. They got mm -hmm. Morrison for one. Uh, friggin', I'm pretty sure Tim Seeley, friend of the show, actually cut his teeth as an artist on that back in the day. Okay. Another thing you'll notice about the history of Wildcats, if you look at it like I did, the first volume, 50 issues. The next one, 30 issues, 28, 20, miniseries. A Grant Morrison one that lasted like two issues, then stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, ah, so it gets a little less every time, huh? Diminishing returns, that's a shame. <laughs> but like we said, hey, coming back now under Matthew Rosenberg, so you never know. Yeah, and it's it's all pretty much the same team. I think he's he's introducing some new characters as well. Yes, much and, much uh, like the X Men, it wasn't always just Grifter and Spartan and Zealot. They would always add new people. Yeah, but yes, and in fact, the new one again it drops this month. I do think it's funny that after like calling it the Wildstorm and having Wildstorm be the selling point for the <laughs> longest time, now they actually get to be Wildcats again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Where before it's like, ah, oh, we're just keeping the universe alive. Now it's like, no, we'll bring it all back. Yeah, we'll bring it all back into the fold. We'll bring it all back in the fold. And with that, I guess we can hop into the show proper. And they waste no time giving us the bombastic opening theme song because 90s cartoons was the only bangers era of cartoon theme songs. Everyone had to be amazing. Everyone. Because you yeah. were fighting for kids' time. And again, this show actually debuted on CBS as part of the Action Hour. It was this, I think the last couple seasons of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and like one other thing. So they were trying to fight the Fox Kids and the Warner Brothers and everything. Mm -hmm. And this this was their killer app, Matt. This was Wildcats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was, it's probably why I never saw it as a kid. Same. Because it was like... like not on like fox kids yeah or, like you know anything like that absolutely saturday morning in the days before streaming and dvr and torrenting and everything else you had to switch back and forth your time was very important and you had to make sure you got it all in mm -hmm. warner brothers of course had all their good comedy shows and they would have you know the original run of pokemon back in the day then you'd have to go over to fox to get your digimon and get you know all your other stuff that they had there all their first run dubbed for kids animes and everything yep it was a real thing if, if you were lucky maybe you uh you had like another tv and a vcr in the house so you could tape some of it or maybe you could like tape trade with a friend but oh yeah man that was back in the day you had to plan out your saturday super hard if you wanted to catch everything 
Yep, yep. I know I did. Now, uh, the theme song they got here, the lady doing the singing here, is actually a pretty well-known Canadian rock vocalist, and I know this because the animation for this show was done by Nelvana. Oh, okay. Who, if you're Canadian, or even if you just kind of know a thing or two about animation, did a lot of shit in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They were one of the biggest, most well-respected animation house. And while they really try in Wildcats, you can tell they put a fair amount of, like, money behind this. Probably toy money. It's not as good as the Warner Brothers and the Fox stuff it, from the same time. It looks like it's trying to do that, but, you know, they didn't have enough money. Because Nelvana didn't really do action shows was the thing. They did comedies, they did fantasies, they did, like, sci-fis and fl uh, slices of life. They never really did it. The choreography all seems wrong, is the thing. Because <laughs> they don't really know how to do action. Uh, fun thing, though, uh, this show ran for one season, only 13 episodes. You can watch it all legally on a uh, retro rerun, uh, the YouTube channel, which is owned by Nelvana. They just put up a bunch of their stuff that only lasts a season and that they probably wouldn't make any money off of. Oh, that's pretty cool. It is, actually. It's a pretty well-put-together channel. They got sticking around. They got a bunch of other stuff there. I think they got, like, a bunch of their weird sci-fi stuff they made in the 70s, like a cosmic Christmas and everything. You can find that all on their YouTube channel. Nice. Back, uh, back when we worked at Name Redacted, we actually watched the first episode of this for a commentary, and I wanted us to do Cosmic Christmas, and we never <laughs> did. <laughs> One day. But, uh, but seriously, though, the, the theme song is a banger, though. Wildcats, Wildcats, and God, and Brick of Power. It's pretty good. It's the, pretty good. I will say, the music in this show in general actually pretty good, because it's like, it's the 90s, we've got rock and roll guitar, we like, you know, uh, friggin' Red Hot Chili Peppers, so we're slapping the bass for everything. <laughs> I don't know if the music matches the mood, but they're trying. <laughs> I think it matches the mood. Yeah. So as the show opens up proper, we're introduced to who is basically our Professor X of this team, yep. Jacob Marlowe, who sounds very close to Jacob Marley. I kept wanting to call him Jacob Marley the whole time. <laughs> he runs the Halo Corporation, which, you know, is the big financial backer for the Wildcats team. Yep. Also, was he a little person in the comics? Because he's a little person in the show. You know, I'm not too sure. Also, I want to say that that's that's like something that would have to have been in the comics. You'd think, or I'm like, or is he just a little person in compared to these like six foot eight aliens? Yeah, yeah. Is he like is he like five nine? Yeah, is he just a short king? I mean, if you know, if you, if we have some real wildcats historians in the chat, please let us know. <laughs> uh, we get our title of the episode: Dark Blade Falling. It's very 90s. The most fucking 90s things ever. And also, the title makes no sense because the guy's name is Warblade, not Darkblade. What was even the point? Now, uh, this episode, too, is written by a guy named David Wise, who is a very well-known writer for animation in both the 80s and around the 90s when this aired. His perhaps most famous claim to fame is he wrote the If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich episode of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's also dead, unfortunately. He died in 2020. Oh. Oh. Long, long, protracted battle with lung cancer. But hey, you know what, man? R.I.P. You left a hell of a legacy behind you. He wrote a lot of the uh, Star Trek, the animated series, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hell of a body of work on this guy. You know, big, big up to David Wise and the whole Wise family. This wasn't his best work, but the guy did really good work, though. Yeah. 
In fact, this whole show kind of feels like a first draft. Like, they had to get this out to market really quickly for, like, the holiday toy season. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of redundancies in the script, as we'll talk about. So, uh, we're introduced to, I guess, our POV character for the story, Reno Bryce, uh, the titular Warblade. And such a 90s name. <laughs> such a fucking Reno Bryce. That... My my guy, my guy, you, you have two last names, my guy. That, those are not first names. That is two last names, Reno Bryce. And uh, mm. Reno Bryce is big into computers because it's the 90s, Matt, and computers are new. Yeah, and he's stabbing a uh, circuit board with a soldering iron. Like you do. Yeah, yeah, that's how you fix a computer. Just stab it. Yeah. Just, just stab it real good. Uh, apparently, in the comics, originally he was an artist, so this is a thing the cartoon changed. Yeah, like, ah, we don't like them artists. Them they're artists. Who does they big? Yeah, th them artist types like us who draw the show. We don't like it. <laughs> Uh, uh, three, uh, real, like, you know, creepy-looking dudes in trench coats and fedoras and goggles come on in to harass him, and they, uh, they attempt to kidnap him, and it's the most 90s kidnapping ever, where they just pull out laser guns and start shooting at him. Yeah, 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 the fucking men in black. Yeah, come with us. Yeah, uh, Reno then jumps out a window, because, you know, he's just a regular-ass computer guy, but obviously he can survive jumping out a window. <laughs> Uh, apparently these G-Men aren't the only ones after him because we're actually introduced to the rest of the Wildcats team. Oh, oh, we got all the winners there. We got Spartan. We got Zealot, who actually they worked really hard to try and put Zealot into the new 52. Remember, she was all over that for a bit. Yep. She was like in the Deathstroke book and everything else, which was written by another freaking image guy in Rob Liefeld. How about that? Mm-hmm. And, of course, everyone's favorite, who can forget, Grifter is also there, too. Yes, yes the, 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 like, big survivor of Offworld Storm. His yeah. design saved his life. Yeah, how weird is that, that out of all of them, Grifter is the one who made the jump and, like, actually survived? Because he's very much not, like, the main focal point of the team. It's, it's the design. It's, it's, it's the Red Hood effect. He's I got, guess. you know, the trench coat, the mask, and the guns. Because in this episode, like, Reno is our POV character. He's, he's the Jubilee of the first X-Men mm -hmm. episode. You know, he's the one who they need to explain everything about in the plot. Mm -hmm. Of course, fighting the Wildcats is always their longtime enemy, the Daemonites, who are evil, yep. shape-shifting, body-stealing aliens. It's, it's, it's They Live. It's the fucking it's the plot to They Live. Yeah. Jim Lee saw They Live one time and said, man, that'd make a good superhero comic. Yeah. The Wildcats are also aliens too, gifted with amazing superpowers. So it's kind of it's kind of like X Men, where you got a team of good aliens versus a team of bad aliens, and that's how you explain all the powers. Mm -hmm. In fact, hey, even as we just look at all the members of the team, hey, hey, Zealot, you're kind of like uh, Psylocke, aren't you? Hey, Maul, you're kind of like the Hulk and the Thing, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> hey Spartan, you're kind of like Cyclops and Havoc if they were like fused together into one character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's Void, who's their big supercomputer, who's like, oh, you're kind of like Danger, or like any of those other like characters. 
You got a lot going on, don't you? Uh, so yeah, the Wildcat team swoops on in to try and save Reno because they want to recruit him. And even though they're able to fight off the Daemonites, oh, they put a little tracker inside his white shirt breast pocket, which is so bright and shiny, but no one fucking sees it. No one notices, yeah. How did no one see that? It was fucking huge. Also, how good was that Daemonite's aim that he's like, oh, in the pocket, got it. <laughs> So fucking nuts. Uh, they take him back to Halo HQ where they run a bunch of tests on him and eventually explain to him the origins of the war between the ancient Daemonites and the good team, which, what are they called again? Caribou Yeah, So Yeah, I can't fuck It's It's a bad name. Like, Daemonite is a great name. It rolls off the tongue, easy to remember. You know that they're bad. The Carrion, the Caramel, the Carab... And whatever gave Spartan his powers. Yeah. Yeah, the Carubum or something? Is K-H-E-R... Some, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure the show says it wrong, too, is the thing. I'm pretty sure the show fucks up the pronunciation. Yeah. And again, if you're a hardcore Wildcats fan, sorry we blew that up. I just watched this 20 minutes ago, and I still can't remember what the hell they're called. <laughs> also, hey, there's a little bit of Transformers going on here, too, because they're two warring races who, you know, are nearing the end of their war, but then they end up prolonging it after crashing on Earth. Yes. Where all the stuff happens, because, you know, all the happen in alien races go to Earth. All on Earth, yeah. The the show also makes a very strong point of saying, like, yeah, the Daemonites were almost exterminated when they fell to Earth. I'm like, oh, so the good guys were genociding another race, is what you were saying? Yeah, oh, yeah, as good guys do. Yes, we almost murdered those damn dirty Daemonites until they fell to Earth. <laughs> now, now, I guess they are an evil parasitic race that lives off the death and destruction of other beings. But still, it's not a great uh, thing for your hero group to be like, yeah, we, al we almost killed them all and let space gods sort them out. <laughs> but yeah, so they're like, hey, we want you to join our team. We think you're a cool dude. And Reno's like, no, nah, I'm, uh, I'm not here for any of this science fiction mumbo jumbo. And I'm like, dude, you know they have powers. You've seen them in action. Why do you not believe them? <laughs> nah, this is fake news. Yeah, he also doesn't believe he's an alien when it's like, dude, you have bright green hair. That is not <laughs> natural, my guy. Sure it is. I just need to put uh, high, you know, hydroxyl in it and everything yeah. and, why, and bleach it. Well, why are you being so judgmental of these super beings, especially considering that this was once part of the bigger image universe when everything was, you know, interconnected? You probably know that Spawn and the Savage Dragon and everything else is running around. How How is this a bridge too far for you? <laughs> mm, no, don't believe it. Also, too, they say, like, oh, you know, we can't force anyone to become a wildcat. He needs to make the choice for himself. But then Void turns a magic light on him, and he has a goddamn werewolf transformation into his hero form of Warblade. 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 Who, again, with the X-Men connection, oh, really? You have a guy whose power is he has sharp, spiky things that come out of his hands? No shit. Yeah, no shit. And he's kind of gruff, and also he's got, like, a big red circle on his chest, kind of like Omega Red. No kidding. <laughs> J Jim Lee, where do you get your amazing ideas from, Jim Lee? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just when you're that good, man. 
when you're that good, it just it just happens to you. So Warblade doesn't like being turned into Warblade, and as such, he decides to run off right around the same time the team realizes, oh crap, he had a little tracking device in him. And instead of thinking to themselves, oh, you know, those uh, those G-Men probably put it on him, Grifter, who seems really, like, bipolar in this show, is like, ah, he fucking betrayed us! Ah, he turned against us! I'm like, he knew you for five minutes! How could he have turned against you? He only knew you for five minutes! <laughs> <laughs> and he'll keep doing this all episode long because they're like, yeah, you know, we need inner team conflict. So, yeah, Grifter doesn't trust this new Warblade guy, even though Grifter actually gives Warblade his name and he does it in the stupidest way. He like pops his not Wolverine claws and Grifter's like, yeah, we got a real Warblade over here. What does that mean? <laughs> How did you know that? And the fact that Reno's like, yep, that's my name now. That's my name. That's my name. I'm Warblade now. Moving forward. Can't stop it. Uh, we're introduced to the Daemonite leader and our de facto bad guy of the series, Hellspont. 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 Little close to Hellspawn, huh? Which was <laughs> another image thing at the same time. This is... I like that. I like the... the, the... Their way of like solving that is like just uh, just replace two letters. Just yeah, it's close enough. Instead of spawn, make it spawned. Again, it's the '90s, the liter the the era of poor literacy being cool and misspelling words being awesome. <laughs> also, Hellspawn is just a fucking ghost rider. Yeah, he he looks like like a cross between like a ghost rider and like a little bit of like Dormammu. Mmm, little Magneto because and... he's got the cape. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like looking at the toy of him as well. He looks a little bit like a uh, Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, yeah, with the yellow chest piece and everything. I see it. Now, Hellspawn, like a lot of the other uh, Wildcats characters, actually got to make the jump to the New Fifty Two. I think he fought like New Fifty Two Superman very early on. Mm -hmm. I know they were pushing it for a long time in the New Fifty Two. Like, yeah, these Wildstorm characters are cool, huh? Yeah, you know we're gonna, you know, keep dropping hits and planting seeds about a Daemonite invasion. Yeah, we're gonna have a whole Wildstorm special event in the DC universe. Isn't that gonna be cool? And then they didn't do it. Yeah, because even they just forgot. You know, they even gave up hope on it. Friggin', friggin' Voodoo had a solo series in the New Fifty Two. Remember that? Oh, yeah, Voodoo. Voodoo, who is totally not Jean Grey, even though she has big hair and mind powers. Yeah, yeah, totally not her. She's also definitely not a stripper in this cartoon, we promise. <laughs> Again, looking back on that now, people were so incensed that Voodoo was a stripper, even though I think she was in the original Wildcat stories. And I think it's kind of a missed opportunity, because I think if you came out with that now, and it's like, yeah, she's a sex worker superhero, I think people would be much more on board with that, and a lot less puritanical than they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, Warblade runs away from the team, not wanting to join their crazy circus. He hides out in a construction yard, but oh no, the G-Men were already waiting for him. How were they already waiting for him? Don't ask. <laughs> also, this is too where you start to see a lot of repetitiveness in the writing, because Warblade literally just says, man, it's a good thing I got away from them, I guess I better hide now as he talks to no one. <laughs> Also, like Zealot and Spartan say earlier on, we've been fighting the Daemonites for thousands of years. Then in the next scene, uh, was it Voodoo and the other ones? Like, we've also been fighting the Daemonites for thousands of years. And I'm like, okay, again, this, this script did not get the necessary punch up. <laughs> Uh, we get to see how the Daemonites work, and, you know, it's not as simple as, like, a xenomorph where we, like, crawl in your mouth and lay eggs. We need mm. to put a little sticker on your head. Yeah, yeah, just a little, little sticker in the mark here. 
Yeah, little little Damonite logo. I imagine just some green alien back at the Hellspawn base being like, Ah, yes, finally I'm putting my graphic design degree to work. Yes, here I've designed it. Doesn't it look good? <laughs> and then with that, they literally just crawl inside your head. Yeah, yeah. Which actually reminds me very much of the aliens in that show, The Head, which was popular around the same time. I don't think I ever saw that. It's ve- it's very weird. I don't know if it's aged well, but I remember really liking it. It was like the era of like liquid television and shit. Okay. But yeah, so they crawl into his head and Warblade is instantly turned to the dark side. Well, that was quick. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at Halo HQ, they're like, oh, we need to destroy this tracking device. We don't know what it is. No, but maybe we should keep it because maybe it'll help us defeat Hellspawn. It's also here we see that Zealot has one character trait and one character trait only, and that is cut stuff with sword. Yep. That's how... Again, again, 90s, yeah. Cut stuff with a sword, shoot shoot it Mm. until it's dead. Yep. But only shoot it with laser guns, because, you know, this is still Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, it's a cartoon, yep. Still Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, again, you know, we were talking about how all these characters are kind of X-Men-y, because Grifter is literally just like, hey, what if Gambit, but also Deadpool? Yep. What if? Apparently, if you are that, you can maintain for a very long time. <laughs> Apparently, that's all it takes. Grifter's mask is so weird, too, because it has ear holes, but it's long, but it doesn't cover the bottom of his face, and it leaves his hair up. It's like, yeah, it, it, it's a piece of a shirt. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy that a character with this design maintained as long as he did. He's one of those people that during COVID, they didn't want to wear a mask, so they like, <laughs> cut up like a shirt. And, and were really that. passive-aggressive about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I don't know if this maintained in the new version, but they all have W's on their belts, because, you know, how do you know they're all part of the same team if they don't have W's on their belts? Yeah, did the X-Men have that at the time? Uh, yeah, actually, I want to say they did in the cartoon. They tried to at least work a little X into everything they did. Yeah. Again, not saying the Wildcats are derivative, I'm just saying they got their ideas from somewhere. (laughs) So, the plan is for the Wildcats to try and invade Hellspawn's lair and, you know, kick his ass before he can do anything evil. And Maul kicks down the door and you can tell they're trying really hard to get over his own version of, It's clobberin' time! (laughs) But what does he say? He says something like, Hey, cats, it's time to rock! Or something like that. Something. 90s thing, yeah. I, I laughed very hard at it, and now I can't even remember it. It's very generic. But also, I just want everyone to know, before we start this show, I'm sure to say to Matt, Hey, Matt, it's time to rock, cats! <laughs> Every time. Yeah, for good luck. It hasn't steered me wrong yet. Yeah. <laughs> so they get a total Scooby Gang moment where they walk into a very obvious trap, and they fall into the hentai room where all the Dr. Octopus tentacles get them. Yeah, yeah, the danger room. Yeah, again, they look just like Dr. Octopus's tentacles. That was really yeah. big in cartoons, the metal tentacles. Easy to draw. I guess so, because everybody did it. Yeah. So they all get captured, and, you know, Hellspawn is sure to come in and do the typical bad guy, Mahaha, I've got you now, and you're all going to be Daemonites, but I'm not going to stay here and watch it happen. I'm going to leave because I've got, like, you know, a roast in the oven. Bye. <laughs> like you do. So it's up to Voodoo to try and get Warblade back on their side. She even says, only Warblade can help us now. You mean that guy who left and didn't want to be part of your team? Yeah, that guy. (laughs) Uh, It's here we discover that Voodoo... They do a bad job getting over everyone else's powers. Voodoo, it's just mind stuff. 
I still don't really understand what she does. And as I think, as I looked at, like, her, like, Comic Vine page where it lists all her powers, apparently she's also a shape changer and she can do time and she has necromancy. Apparently, in, like, the five-plus volumes, they just kept adding shit to Voodoo's powers. <laughs> Voodoo's power is that she has many, many powers, you see. Yeah, many, many powers, though. More than Wikipedia can list. Absolutely. Uh, Warblade, who always looks like he's smelling a fart in this show, is the thing. Like, all the work just went into his face where he's just looking unpleased with everything. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't know if I should help you. I don't know. Okay, I guess I know now. And he goes and he cuts everyone's uh, wires and he's sure to have a pithy line about, I'm just cutting in. <laughs> it's the 90s trying to get these over. The 90s, yeah. And again, with Grifter being bipolar, ten seconds ago, he's like, I don't want to work with that fucker Warblade. He left us. He's a goddamn rat bastard. He's a traitor rat bastard, son of a bitch. Then he saves them. And he's like, oh, good, I always believed in you, Warblade. Then five seconds later, he's in his face again, saying, I don't trust you. I'm not going to fight by your side. I'm like, you've known him for five minutes. It's the mask. It's cutting off his oxygen. <laughs> Clearly, what is your problem, Grifter? Why are you like this? <laughs> so judgy. Is judgment one of your superpowers? <laughs> Making snap judgments on people. <laughs> uh, so they got to fly away in the helicopter, which Grifter can, of course, fly, because as they mention in... <laughs> everyone gets a little, little, little kiss of character. He's like, yeah, I used to fly helicopters like this in my smuggling days. Smuggling days, yeah. You know, he's not a cool thief like Gambit, part of the Thieves Guild. You know, he's part of the Smugglers Guild. Yeah, he's Han Solo. Oh, shit, I guess he is. Fuck. <laughs> can, can he make the Kessel Run? <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the big question is, Hey, Spartan, when that alien tried to get into your head, it didn't work. Why? Because I'm a cyborg and an alien. That's right. <laughs> In episode one, hey, you've already, you know, uh, already had to believe that, you know, aliens exist. Now believe in super advanced cyborgs as well. <laughs> so I guess he's a... That's too far. That's too far. I guess that means he's a little cable too then. Yeah. Yeah, we're covering all the bases. Only instead of a robot arm, he's just all robot. Uh, they corner Hellspot in his second base, and we discover that his big plan is he wants to steal Void, he wants to steal their supercomputer, and, uh, I don't know, get, get their alien nudes off it, and do, like, a revenge porn scheme, I guess. Yeah, leak their tax documents. <laughs> He's gonna leak their very saucy, uh, Discord chats to the world. <laughs> Everyone is going to know how racist you all are, Wildcat in a minute you use some language that will not fly anymore is what i'm saying this, this is the big takeaway from this is that hell is actually the good guy <laughs> if you take away nothing else so they get a big old fight there wherein they have to save void who he's able to teleport from the base because that was the whole point of the tracker it wasn't just a tracker it was also a teleporter yeah and then the funniest thing happens, you know, so they're they're fighting and they're shooting all their beams and they're pew pew pewing like they do. But it's actually Maul who does all the hardest work because he just like picks Hellspawn up and he's like helpless. He's like a dog you grab by the scruff. <laughs> Hellspawn, who they're trying to get over as this big tough villain, can't do anything when the big guy grabs him. And Maul also tries to get over another catchphrase when he's like, Hey, when the big guy tells you to do something, you should do it. To do it, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, no, wait, that's Macho Man shit. 
<laughs> oh yeah, it's mine now. It's it's not quite clobbering time. Mall break things. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> but yeah, so he just grabs him. And then that's the end of the fight, and they leave, and I'm like, why did you leave, Wildcats? You were winning! You had the bad guy at your mercy! You could have ended the show right there, but they're like, nah, Hellspot, we're leaving. We'll see you next week and every Saturday morning for at least 13 more episodes. For at least, yeah, 13. And then no more. So yeah, the, the team comes back, and they're like, wow, guys, you know, we really did learn a lot out there, didn't we, about teamwork? I don't think Hellspot has a chance against us now, because we're such a team. <laughs> but Grifter's still a jerk to Warblade for a minute, and Spartan has to get between them and be like, oh my guys. <laughs> it literally has a sitcom ending, and then it's over. That's a, most shows that, of that era had that. They really, really did. That was just Where like a... It would end with them all like high-fiving or something. Yeah, I, I think it was just like... I, I think it was just a writing crutch. I think like people of that era didn't know how to write anything else any other way. And they all fived high, high-fived and went to get pizza. Basically, yes. I wonder if we kept watching, if we watched like episode two, what what is their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pizza or their Sonic Chili Dog? What was the Wildcats, you know, confection of choice, I want to know <laughs> but yeah so that was wildcats dark blade fallen everybody and it it was a show it was it was a thing that happened for 13 episodes they got 13 episodes out of this and then they're like no nah, you know what too good you know what that's the problem it's just too good yeah if we keep showing this we're gonna take over all media all yeah TV, all media and yeah we can't do that it's gonna be all wildcats all the time and we just simply cannot have that yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to kill it now to save the world, Jim Lee did, <laughs> with tears in his eyes and a gun in his hand. I have to kill my child. <laughs> and he did that for us, and that's why we salute you, Jim Lee. <laughs> also, hey, be sure to pick up Matthew Rosenberg's new Wildcats, which I'm sure will be nothing like this. Oh, well, you never know. It, you know what? We don't know. Maybe this is Matthew Rosenberg's big, long con. Maybe he loved the cartoon, and he really wants to bring this back. Grifter bipolar it's, it's as you like. Literally, it's literally like like the first issue is literally like a play by play of this. <laughs> this Man, has anyone done that? Like, gotten a job and been like, oh yeah, it's like, hey, you just you just wrote the plot to a TV show. <laughs> Prove I didn't. <laughs> but yes, if we've sparked your interest again, all of Wildcat season one, the only season, thankfully. Uh, mm -hmm. is available on a retro rerun, so go check that out. And also, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening to Retro Hero Video. We're so happy that you like this show. We're so glad that you've been able to accept this. And, hey, it's a little shorter, and the YouTube algorithm fucking loves shit that's a little shorter, so that's also good. Yeah. Well, this week. This week, yeah. So, you know, be sure to keep your eyes peeled, everyone, as we continue our 90s comic cartoon excursion. We got at least three more of these coming your way, and uh, I, I, I get the feeling some of you already know the ones we're going to do, and for everyone else, I'll just leave you in a little bit of suspense. <laughs> the other ones I have at least seen. There you go. So until next time, everyone, this has been the Retro Hero Video Podcast. Out. See ya.